Welcome to the Hockey Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Will, and in today's episode, we're going to be talking about Eric Carlson potentially getting shopped, Mitchell Miller and the whole Boston Bruins uh, fiasco, if you will. We're going to be taking a look at power rankings, 1 through 10 power rankings in the NHL, and other news, trade news, rumors, injuries, etc. Uh, to get to get right started off, we are going to look at Eric Carlson trade rumors. If you don't know Eric Carlson, defenseman for the San Jose Sharks, a couple of years ago was traded from the Ottawa Senators in his prime to the San Jose Sharks, who were a contender at the time. Now they've fallen off a little bit. Um, they're getting they're, they're doing all right this season. Definitely not a contender. That's why they're looking to shop him. Um, Eric Carlson, after he was traded to the San Jose Sharks, was signed to a six-year, five-year, $11.5 million contract by the San Jose Sharks. Right now, he has, oh, excuse me, he has five years left on his $11.5 million deal. I think it was an eight-year deal in total. He has five years left at $11.5 million. Now, the only reason why he would potentially be getting shopped right now is because of his very good play so far this season. Right now, he leads all defensemen in points and goals with 10 goals and 24 points. Um, He's third in the league in scoring last time I checked, and he is up there in goals. As I said, he has been playing well in the first part of the season, and the Sharks general manager, Mike Greer, came out and said that he will listen to trade offers. Um, Eric Carlson does have a no-trade clause currently, and Elliot Friedman said via the 32 Thoughts podcast that Eric Carlson, as of right now, has not been approached to to potentially waive his no-move clause. So the general manager, his agent, has not talked to him about potentially getting traded. The rumors are out there. The general manager said that he'll listen to trade offers, but Eric Carlson himself has not been approached to um, see if he'll waive his no-move clause to be traded to a team. Uh, His $11.5 million salary for five more years, including this year, so that's this year and four more years at $11.5 million, um, that is a lot of cap space and a lot of term for a defenseman of his age. I know he's in his mid-30s, I believe. The past couple seasons have not been great at all for Eric Carlson. Um, and this year, he's just had a resurgence. He has been playing out of his mind. It looks like prime Eric Carlson again. But who knows how long that is going to last. I could see it lasting the rest of the season. I could see him falling off. Who knows, honestly. But a contending team, if they have the cap space and are looking for a defenseman, Eric Carlson is one of the best in the league at the point of this recording. Now, $11.5 million at five years left, like I said, is a lot of money. Now, for him to be traded... Obviously, he would have to waive his no-move clause, and I don't think personally there is any way that a team can take off take on his whole salary unless a deal happens where um, a defenseman goes back the other way with a lot of salary because San Jose is not the best team, so if they trade away Eric Carlson's contract, maybe they take back a okay or 
less than average defenseman with a good contract and older defenseman with a with a bad contract excuse me um where they can make the cap space work other than that i don't think that there's a way that a team can take off the whole take on all of eric carlson's 11 and a half million dollars and especially at five years left i think that if um there was only two or three years left maybe a team would take on the whole contract but at five years left i think that's just way too much term for a team to take on the whole salary even if san jose retains 50 percent, i still think that's a lot for five years for eric carlson because he's up there in age and because it's kind of out of the blue that he's playing really really well so it's kind of hard to say if a team is going to go after him i know um there are probably some contending teams more towards the trade deadline if he keeps his pace up that will try and look to get eric carlson the way he's playing um let's see so the sharks are not the greatest team in the pacific so i mean if they can get anything out of eric carlson i think that they might have to give up a little more that if then they're asking for or then they want to give up to get rid of eric carlson and his contract not because he's uh, playing bad right now but just because of um, his contract and the term left on that contract could the San Jose Sharks be looking to tank this year um, that's kind of hard to say there's no way that coaches or players are ever going to want to tank I think maybe general management or upper management thinks that if they can trade away some good players right now and end up with a in the bottom towards the bottom of the league and have a better chance at Connor Bedard I think uh, if you know that you're not going to be a great team I think the general management um, especially this year with the upcoming draft and Connor Bedard and Matt, Matt V. Michkov Adam Fantilli there's a really top heavy forward draft with a lot of talent in this up, upcoming draft so if you can get a top three pick and maybe get some stuff back and trading trading away players I think that uh, upper management could could look to do that obviously they're going to look to trade him while value is high but uh, like I said I don't think there are many teams that are going to want to go after him with the salary and the term the Ottawa Senators I've heard is a team that might look to get into him um jesus christ get into him uh is get in on trading for him i think uh the detroit red wings are also a team that are potentially looking if you remember uh at free agency i think detroit was one of the teams that was going after john klingberg in free agency he ended up going to anaheim on a one-year deal but detroit was one of those teams who you heard in free agency was looking for a number one defenseman so I think Detroit and Ottawa, as of right now, are the two most likely teams. Who knows what they're going to have to give up? Both those teams are looking for defensemen. Now, Detroit is fourth in the Atlantic, and the Senators are last in the Atlantic. So if the Senators keep doing uh, not as well, I think that they might drop out towards the trade deadline. I think if Detroit keeps keeps a steady pace in the middle of the pack, they're definitely going to look to improve during the trade deadline and you could see them circle back around to Eric Carlson if he's still playing well and seeing what kind of deal can be done probably most likely at 50% salary retained and I guess we're just going to end up seeing where where that ends up I'm excited to see where Eric Carlson goes if he gets shopped how much salary is retained and what the what the deal looks like the next part of this podcast that I want to talk about is the Mitchell Miller 
Boston Bruins fiasco. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this just because it's kind of a it's it's a little of a sad story and not not one that I want to bring to light, but it's something that in the in the hockey news space I should probably talk about. So if you guys don't know, Mitchell Miller was a fourth overall pick, selected in the fourth fourth overall pick, was selected in the fourth round, 111th overall in 2020 entry draft by the Arizona Coyotes. Shortly after the draft, Arizona renounced his rights after a pretty bad story about him surfaced. He was found guilt he was found it was found out that he was convicted in juvenile court of bullying a disabled black classmate, calling him racial slurs, and physically bullying him with a couple other students. Shortly after this, he after this came out, he lost his full scholarship to the University of North Dakota, and his most recent season playing hockey was in the 21-22 NHL season and uh 21-22 hockey season in the USHL for the Tri-City Storm, where he put up 39 goals and 83 points in 60 games. So, before I talk about the whole Boston thing, let's uh, let's break that down. So, what he did was obviously very wrong, and he probably is never going to play hockey again for anyone. Um, it's terrible what he did. And especially for him, because as you can see, his last year in the USHL, he put up 83 points in 60 games as a defenseman with 39 goals. So he had a very, very solid season and was a very good hockey player. He had a lot of potential and was um, was on the up and up. But um, after what happened and what came out, uh, it just wasn't it just wasn't good. And um, he lost his full scholarship to the University of North Dakota he uh, Arizona renounced the pick so he was a free agent and then a couple weeks ago out of nowhere the Boston Bruins signed him to a three-year entry-level contract right after the signing happened the Boston Bruins organization and Cam Neely the GM received immediate criticism from everyone in the hockey community Bruins fans fans from and it just regular NHL fans from every team didn't like the signing and that is that's understandable Uh, after they received criticism a few days later they parted ways with Miller Um, even though they said they parted ways with him he's technically still under contract and on payroll for the Bruins He's never going to play play a game for the Bruins or in the AHL, but he technically still is under contract. They can't just let him go. Um, so there are a couple different options because he's never going to play a game for the Bruins or their AHL team, the Providence Bruins, just because of what happened. Um, there are a couple other things they could do. They could buy him out at the end of the season. After the season's over, they could buy him out. Um they could basically pay him for the rest of the season to stay at home and then buy out his contract. He'd become a free agent. The Bruins or the NHL could look to expel him from the league. But what I heard from this was that this is the least likely scenario just because the NHLPA would most likely file a grievance on this um, and they'd probably win. And the NHL, well, they probably I don't know if they'd win, honestly. Who knows what would happen out of that? But it'd just become an even bigger mess and an even bigger story. So that does not look like the most likely thing to happen. 
And the other option they have is to work with Miller and his agent for a potential settlement, which would just basically they'd pay him a little bit of money. He'd get released from the team and he would become a free agent again. So one in three are the most obvious. I don't think that they're going to expel him from the league, even though he probably should be just because of the NHLPA will jump all over that file a grievance. It'll uh, turn into this whole big thing. It'd be just as easy to either buy him out or get a settlement with Miller and his agent and just let him be a free agent for the rest of his career, and he's never going to play a game in the NHL. So it's sad that it happened. It's a terrible thing. Um, That should never happen, and there's no room in the world for that to happen. There's just no reason for anyone to bully someone like that. Um, Yeah. And there's a reason why he's never going to play in the NHL again. Before we get on to the power rankings, which will be the final segment in this episode of the Hockey Talk podcast, we're just going to look at general news and information that has come out over the last week or so. So it was um, said earlier in the week by um, Elliot Friedman that Toronto was definitely looking for a defenseman. They were interested in Connor Timmins, and the link between Connor Timmins and the Maple Leafs was because Timmins and Rasmus Sandin, one of the young defensemen for the Maple Leafs, played together in juniors, and they played really well. Um, Just a couple days ago, Leafs traded Curtis Douglas, a prospect for Connor Timmins, so I think Elliot Friedman said that in the 32 Thoughts podcast that um, Maple Leafs were interested in Timmins and then it came out a little bit later that they ended up trading for him this is a big trade for the Maple Leafs because if they didn't get a defenseman they would be seriously down and it the season the season wouldn't be a throwaway but it would really really put um put a dent in the side of the Maple Leafs and how their season would end up being I think Sam Sonov is injured i think he's on ir morgan riley with an mcl sprain was put on ltir which isn't a great thing um they also are without uh muzzin and tj brody so right now they're missing one of their starting goalies uh their number one defenseman jake muzzin and tj brody so that's a big hit to the back end um connor timmins and rasmus sandin are gonna have to step up step up in a big way so I'm, it's it's lucky for the Maple Leafs they were able to make this trade. I'm not sure when any of those three defensemen are coming back. There are rumors that Jake Muzzin might, um, his NHL career might be over with, I think it was a concussion. I'd have to do more research, but I'm pretty sure it was a bad concussion or neck, neck injury. Morgan Riley was put on LTIR, so he's going to be out for a while. TJ Brody, I don't think is going to be out. I think he's going to be out for the least amount of time of the three, but still having three of your best defensemen uh, not playing for a while is not, not the best thing, especially for a Stanley Cup contending team like the Maple Leafs. Tyson Jost was put on waivers and was eventually claimed by the Buffalo Sabres. This is kind of interesting. Tyson Jost was a 13th overall pick, I believe, a couple years ago by the Avalanche. He was traded to Minnesota. Then he this year he has not been playing. He has not been playing very well. He's been in the depth role. I think he has four assists in 13 games. Um, he was signed at $2 million for one year. He was put on waivers, and the Sabres picked him up. 
he's just not been producing. He hasn't been producing like everyone expected him to. They expected him to be a good player. He was in a depth role for the Avalanche. He was put in a third line center role, I think, again for the Minnesota Wild, and he just hasn't been producing as much as they liked him to. They put him on waivers, and the Buffalo Sabres claimed him. I still think Tyson Jost is a very uh, good young player. He's still only 24 years old, so he still could come into his own with the young Buffalo Sabres team. I think he'll fit in well there. Who knows how, how much better he's going to do um, in Buffalo than he would in Colorado or Minnesota, but uh, we'll see. This is last year at $2 million, so uh, it's kind of kind of a no-brainer for the Sabres to grab him at that price and with a young young team like that. Minnesota Wild made another move by trading a fifth-round pick for Ryan Reeves. Now, I think this is just to um, get some more uh, physical phys- physicality on the forward group. Um, they have a lot of young, a lot of young, smaller players like Matthew Boldy, Kirill Kaprizov on that team, and they want to protect him with a guy like Ryan Reeves. I think it's a good move. I think there were a couple other teams interested in Ryan Reeves. I forget forget which teams they are. But Minnesota ended up getting him for a fifth-round pick. The last thing I'm going to talk about in the other news is the Shane Wright situation. This one isn't uh, as big or as bad as the Mitchell Miller situation. Actually, it's nothing like the Mitchell Miller situation. I don't know why I, I, uh, I brought it up like that. But Shane Wright was a rookie. He was selected fourth overall by the Seattle Kraken in last year's draft. He was a, he was sent down to the AHL a couple of nights a couple of days ago on a conditioning stiff stint after being scratched for what it was I believe five games in a row. He was been, he was not set up for success in the NHL. I'm just gonna put it that way. The Seattle Kraken have been doing well this season a lot better than people have thought but they ended up putting Shane Wright in a depth role so I think he's playing either third or fourth line center and was only averaging eight minutes a night which isn't much for a rookie like Shane Wright who has a lot of skill and a lot of potential he had one assist I think in the eight or so games he played and he was just sent down to the AHL and now has two goals in two AHL games so he's playing well down there playing I assume first line minutes in the AHL but it was just it was just odd to me they had Matty Berniers first line center and I think I forget who it might have been Yanni Gord second line center and then Shane Wright if Shane Wright isn't playing top six minutes you have to find a way to get Shane Wright top six minutes as a rookie like that you either get him top six minutes or you send him down to the AHL for a year and have him just pop off in the AHL and then the next year have him have him come up and play top six minutes I think there's no reason why he should be playing eight minutes a night I know everyone was mad about that he he wasn't doing well he wasn't being set up for success I think that it was just it was just a bad move by the Seattle Kraken and not having him playing that much he was he was really just kind of in a grinder role just go out there get it done don't let him score on you he wasn't really set up to um make plays or do what he does best and be a playmaker and score goals like he can with top players on his line 
it was just kind of frustrating to see as a fan uh, not being able to see Shane Wright get a lot of minutes tonight, even though he was a fourth overall pick and definitely has the skill to play top six minutes in the NHL. All right, the final segment we have on this episode of the Hockey Talk podcast is the power rankings, top 10. I'm just going to go through them really quick and then break down the top five or so. So so New Jersey at number one, Boston at number two, St. Louis number three, Vegas four, Tampa five, Seattle six, Dallas seven, Colorado eight, Pittsburgh nine, Detroit ten. New Jersey at number one, no-brainer, 10-0 in the last 10. They've been on an absolute tear. I know they're not 10-0 in their last 10 anymore. Um, <clears throat> the other night, they played a game. They lost 2-1 to the Leafs, I think, where they had three goals called back. And I'm just going to talk about that a little bit. Having three goals called back and one of them being an obvious not goaltender interference, that was just that was just another example of the refs not 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 doing well and not doing what they're supposed to. I think that one goal, it could have easily, I mean, sure, if you want, you can take away those other two goals, but that one where I I I don't I don't know how to explain it, but there was one where it was obviously not goaltender in, interference. I mean, maybe the back of the Devils players skate touched Matt Murray or whoever was in net, but <clears throat> I don't think that definitely wasn't goaltender inter- interference. Now they're nine and one in their last ten, but they have been on sixteen four and zero overall. They've just been on an absolute tear this NHL season. Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, that whole young core, Dougie Hamilton. They've just been playing so well together. They finally have good chemistry, and they're just playing so, so well together. They're getting good goaltending by Vitek Vanacek and Mackenzie Blackwood, so they just have everything going for them right now. The two-spot Boston Bruins, they are 8-2 and two in their last 10. They've The past two games, I forget how I didn't get to see the end of the Bruins game today at the recording of this episode, Friday, November 25th. But I know that they just lost to Florida, and they were playing Pittsburgh, I believe it was today. I'm not sure. Um, they've been doing they've been doing really well, 18 and three overall. I think they're first in the NHL still. But they started off the season really, really hot, and they've just been kept it going. The whole team is playing well together. Krejci, Bergeron, Pasternak, Marchand, McAvoy came back, and he has what. 10 points in five games or something like that he's just been playing really well the whole team just has a lot of juice a lot of energy Linus Olmark is putting up Vesna numbers right now um uh after Jeremy Jeremy Swayman went down it was like it was a little who knew how it was going to go because they were kind of splitting splitting games but now Linus Olmark is finally playing really really well and he's been really hot for them St. Louis at the three spot. Oh, by the way, all these power rankings are via NHL discussion on Instagram. So go give them a follow. It's a really good, really good page to follow if you're into NHL news and stuff. That's where I get all the power rankings from. So St. Louis, they are 7-3-0 in their last 10. They've been on a year lately. They started off the season not as great, but in the last week, they've been playing very, very well. They're on a seven-game win streak. And they've just been they've just been really hot. They've been getting the right bounces and getting everything they need. Um, that's why they're in the that's why they're in the three spot. 
Vegas at four. Vegas is another one of those teams that everything is coming together for them. They're seven, two, and one in their last ten. Top of the Pacific Division. Sixteen, four, and one overall. They've just been they've been doing really, really well. Jack Eichel, um, finally doing really well. He's over a point per game. I think he's their leading scorer. Last season when he came back, he was a little under a point per game. Wasn't that insane? But this year, finally fully healthy. After a full off season of just working and training, he's been doing very, very good. It looks like the Jack Eichel from Buffalo a couple of years ago, which is really good to see. Marcheseau, Carlson, all those guys, a lot of chemistry there too, and they're everything's just going the right going the right way for them. Now the final team I'm gonna dive into is uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Lightning have been really good the past couple of years. They're good again this year. Six three and one in their last ten. Uh, 11 seven and one overall they're finally they're finally getting back on track after a rocky start to the season Kutrov is playing really well Sergachev Stamkos all the guys that you know from the lightning Vasilevsky Hedman are playing really well again for them so it's kind of a no-brainer that they are doing really well again in the Atlantic division they're always going to be a good team until that core core leaves or gets older whatever and that's it for this episode of the hockey talk podcast thank you so much for listening and i will catch you guys in the next one peace